0: Romans chapter
1: 1.
0: Romans chapter 1 and uh, verse 18
1: we're on page
0: 1131. When I worked as a doctor, uh, once I had a patient whom I suspected with early cancer. I sent her for some tests, and the results confirmed my suspicions. Now, I knew that kind of cancer could be treated. And most likely cured with a simple operation. Do you think I should have told her about her cancer or not? Or what if I said, uh, you know, I kind of like my patient and I I don't want to tell her because it might upset her. Or she might not want to come and see me anymore if I give her bad news. She might, you know, go to the other doctor down the street. Should I just leave it? Or shall I tell her the truth? You have cancer, deadly disease, and in times gone by people would have have died from this, but the good news is there is a cure, and nowadays the kind of cancer you have, at the stage you have, we we can cure with a simple surgical procedure. What if I, I didn't want to tell her that she had cancer, and I just said to her, I'd like to send you for an operation. But she asked ask me why. And I'll say, oh, nothing really. Yeah, operations are really good nowadays. Yeah, you won't have much pain. Uh, hospital is quite comfortable. In fact, if you've got insurance, a hospital can be a bit like a hotel. you know. And the, and the nurses are very nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but why do I need an operation? Well, operations are really good. I had an operation myself a few years ago. And I tell you, I felt so much better afterwards. And in fact, I know lots of people who've had operations, and they'll tell you operations, operations have changed their lives. We love operations. And you'll love the surgeon I'm sending you to. He's such a nice man. He's so caring. And at this point, I think my patient would have thought I was quite mad. Because I'm trying to sell her something that she really needs, without telling her why she needs it. Giving her the solution without telling her the problem. And there's no way that she's going to appreciate the solution without understanding the problem. There's no way she can appreciate the good news that there is an operation available to her if she doesn't know the bad news that she has cancer. And it's the same with the gospel. The good news about Jesus Christ. Last week we saw in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation, for salvation to everyone who believes. It is God's cure. It is God's power for salvation. To save people, but from what? And then we saw in verse 17 that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. gospel saves because God's righteousness is revealed in it. That is the righteousness that comes from God, the legal acquittal, right standing with God that he gives to those who have faith, those who trust in him, so that the gospel is God's power to save us because we, the gospel shows us how we can be found not guilty in the court of heaven. But why do we need to be saved in the first place? Why do we need the righteousness of God? Why can't we just have our own righteousness? Why do we need to be acquitted in the final judgment as a a gift from God instead of doing it ourselves? Why do we need the gospel? Well, Paul tells us the bad news over the next two chapters we're looking at that over the next two weeks, and the Holy Spirit gives us insight into that bad news of sin and judgment, so that we can appreciate the good news of righteousness when it comes. And as we're sharing the gospel with our family and friends, we too need to be able to explain the bad news, the problem, so that they can welcome the good news, the solution. And the bad news is this. God is very, very angry about human sin. God is very, very angry about human sin. Chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Have you ever thought of God as angry? Well, he is. He's angry about corruption. He's angry about people exploiting others. He's angry about sexual immorality. He's angry about idolatry. He's angry about pornography. He's angry about selfishness. He's angry about gossip. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all. The ungodliness and unrighteousness of man god is angry he is rightfully angry now sometimes we confuse our sinful human anger with god's righteous anger just anger they're not the same are they our anger is often uncontrolled our anger is often to do with our own inadequacies and frustration our anger is often inappropriate but god's anger is always measured by his perfect holiness. God's anger is always just. God's anger is always right. And while human anger is often ungodly and unrighteous, God is always right to be angry when he is angry. Chapter 1 verse 18 again the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth? Sigmund Freud taught that suppression is one of the coping mechanisms that human beings use when we don't want to deal with something. We suppress it put it out of our minds. We push it down. Sometimes we suppress things so much that we can't remember them consciously. Uh, suppression is a common defense mechanism. And we, we all use it in some, in some ways or other. Well, the Apostle Paul wrote about suppression 2,000 years earlier. And he says that we suppress the truth about God. Paul tells us in verse 19 to 20 that everyone's got some kind of knowledge of God. It's it's built into us, into the fabric of our world. Verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So, they are without excuse. We call it general revelation. General revelation is that God has revealed himself. It tells us in nature, into ourselves, that that God is God and that we ought to honour him and obey him and worship him and thank him. But instead of that, we human beings suppress that truth. We pretend it isn't there. And some people suppress it so well that they genuinely think they are atheists. Others suppress it partially. They know that God is there. They've got a view of God that doesn't match up to the God who is there. And either way, we fail to treat God properly the way we're meant to and we earn for ourselves God's wrath. And Paul describes that essence of human sin verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. That's that's where it all comes from. That's, That's the start. They knew God. They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. Sin at its very heart is failing to treat God properly. It is failing to honour Him as He deserves to be honoured. It is failing to thank Him as He deserves to be thanked. It is failing to treat God as God. And everything, everything else about sin comes out of that. You see, friends, God alone is God. And if we make anything else... God instead, whether it's ourselves or someone else or something else or some concept, that is sin. That is not treating God properly. And it's always serious when we don't treat people properly. Let's say you came to visit me one day in my house. I said, come in, come in, come in. And I called you, come have a seat on the floor. And then I opened a can of powder. You know what a pal is, right? Dog food, yeah? Open the of panel. Okay. I take a bowl. That Have some of that. And then I take the bowl. Imagine I have a dog. I don't have a dog, but imagine I have a dog, all right? I take the bowl from my dog and water there. Okay, come, come. Have some water. There you go. Have some water. And then it's getting dark. Okay, it's time to go. It's uh, getting dark. Take you outside. Put you in the kennel. pretty upset by that, would you? Of course he would. Why? Because you're a human being. You're not a dog. I'm treating you like a dog. Now, I've been treating you very well as a dog, mind you. Right, Pal is not cheap. Huh? <laughs> but you're not a dog. You're a human being. And the way to treat a human being is very different from the way to treat a dog. And so for me to treat you properly, I'll have to treat you differently than how I treat a dog properly. Now, treating you properly as a human being does not involve giving you my ultimate allegiance. Because you are not God. But God is God. He is not our equal. He is our creator. And treating Him properly means honouring Him, worshipping Him, loving Him, obeying Him, and living my life for His glory. In fact, the whole creation exists by God and for God. exists in order to treat God properly. That is to glorify Him. Yet so often we treat Him like another human being. Or worse. We fail to give Him the glory He deserves. We fail to treat Him as God. Instead, we give something else, the place that he should have in our lives. And that is the ultimate insult to God. And you know, it's, it's, it's really bad when we don't treat our fellow human beings properly. But God is so great. God is so good. He is so holy. That failing to treat him properly, that is... This is the most awful, horrendous thing
1: anyone can do.
0: What? You can do it all the time. We do it all the time. And we think nothing of it.
1: This one continues. There's one. Oh, they knew God. They did not honor Him as God they give thanks to Him. So they became futile in their thinking, And their foolish hearts So sin affects our thinking. makes hearts
0: blind, Binds us to futility. robs us of the knowledge of God. And so we'll never be able to reason our way to God. Sin has distorted our minds. And this distorted thinking that comes from... Treatment of God in turn at least, idolatry. Verse 22 Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images representing mortal man and birds
1: and animals and reptiles. Idolatry is wrong.
0: Mustn't worship idols,
1: can't worship it through God with images.
0: And idolatry, in turn, leads to sexual immorality. First in the heart and then the body, verse 24-25. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because, why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. who is blessed forever.
1: And sexual immorality is a product of idolatry. Whenever, whenever we treat God not as God, whenever we make God in our minds, in our hearts less than the reason, then we will find something to feel about. And God is a part of people that gives us over,
0: hands us over for sexual immorality. And as human beings reject God's rule for idols, he lets them be captivated by sexual sins. And in verse 26 and 27, we see the corrective that. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in them themselves the due penalty for their error. As you read this, incidentally, you, you can't read it and say that homosexual behavior is fine can't do it. It's a sin. It springs from sinful heart. It's not a good thing. It's not an okay thing. It is an evil thing. It cannot be condoned. But it's not just sexual sin that comes from a failure to treat God as well. All other sins do as well and they are just as evil. Verse 28 And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. You see, sin against God on the inside leads to all these evil behaviors on the outside. When we fail to treat God as God. He punishes us by letting us, by handing us over, by allowing us to sin more and more in our words and our actions. And as we sin more and more in our words and our actions, we become guilty of more and more sin, we deserve more and more punishment, and the punishment will surely come on the day that God comes to judge the world when His wrath is poured out. And all that comes back from failing to glorify God as God. as you're listening to all those sins in Romans 1 I wonder what you're thinking some of you may be thinking I am really sinful and you're longing for me to start talking about the solution to the sin but others might be thinking hey it's not so bad I don't have others I'm sexually pure I'm a moral person. Paul must be talking about all those sinner-type people out
1: there, not me.
0: I know people like that. I know people who worship idols. I know people who sleep together even though they're not married. I know people who engage in homosexual practice. I know they're being very sinful, but, but I'm not like that. That's what you're thinking. I think again. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, O oh man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. Practice the very same things? Well, hang on, I don't do that, do I? What? Do I? Do Do you really treat God as God? Do you really love Him as He ought to be
1: loved?
0: Do you really obey Him as He ought to be obeyed?
1: him the way he ought to be honored? Do you really treat God perfectly? Do you really have no idols before him? you know you don't bow down to statues or worship spirits? Or, or do you? Or do you always treat God first?
0: Love yourself?
1: Of your dreams, your ambitions, your family, your career, your anything? Are you really as sexually pure as you think? What about, it? what about your mind?
0: What do you look at on the Internet?
1: Or on the street? What
0: do you do in the privacy of your own brain?
1: Jesus warned against adultery of the
0: and look at that list in verses 28 to 32. The symptoms of, of sinful people. People who don't treat God properly. <laughs> Do you see yourself there? Really? Are you covetous? Verse 29. Do you find yourself wanting things and relationships and positions that, that other people have and you don't?
1: Are you greedy? You on wanting more and more? Are you malicious in verse 29? <laughs> it would be nasty to what about envy? Find yourself jealous of the successes of others? Or murder? I don't include anyone. What about strife?
0: Have you ever been in an argument where you haven't really acted in a godly way throughout? Do you find yourself fighting with people, and you know it's for your own annoyance rather than love? What do you see? The seat, lies, you gossip,
1: After that beauty story around the office, with
0: the laughs, with the shirt.
1: You Stand with anyone negative about someone you've heard everybody in truth be innocent be a sign of being arrogant just feeling nervous
0: what about being haughty elevated sense of your own positive
1: like telling people how good you
0: are you work, how many awards you've achieved, how far you've progressed, what big shot you've made. Are you an inventor of evil? You think out ways of doing wrong.
1: Disobedience of parents, a rebellious child, and neglect forever.
0: You thought chapter 1, verse 18 to 32, was about other people, didn't you? You thought it was about idol worshippers and the sexually immoral, all those terrible sinners out there. But really, it was about you and me.
1: We don't do fun about the things. I'm pretending that we do. As a result, we don't treat other people like the That's the one it was about you. the riches of His kindness patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to, lead you to a and you in the day of and the day of God's wrath. is coming
0: coming not only on the sexually immoral idol I'm worshipping sinners out there. And sinners like you and me and the because when God judges the world then all the excuses we use to justify ourselves to ourselves will be useless. Because God's walk is right, God's walk is just, God's walk is real, and every time we sin we are adding to that life.
1: Every sin is a part and a sinful heart that God will do with when Jesus comes to judge the world. Even though God is been time, by can yeah. The reason is that people do and that They're Paul is only talking through his argument about sin and judgment. We're going to leave But we can already see the answer to the question
0: What do we need to be saved from? We need to be safe from our sin, our tree And the awful wrath of God that we be poured out upon us as a result. Why do we need the righteousness of Christ? Because we have no righteousness. We are the wretch that we sing about in Amazing grants We are the worm that we sing about in Alas and Did My Saviour Bling. We are corrupted and spoiled, selfish and sinful, and God is really angry with sinful and
1: We really do deserve trespassion.
0: The gospel tells us of the perfect Son of God who died to take our sin and our country. It tells us of how God, in his love, gave his Son to absorb his righteous anger on the cross for us. So that there is no more anger from the Father
1: against those who trusted God us
0: Sin has been atoned for. And so the gospel, back to one seventeen. In the gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness that cometh by faith, not by performance. Because by performance, performance simply earns us the righteousness. Brothers and, sisters, brothers and sisters, our passage today is meant to help us
1: realise a bit more of
0: but really, realising our sinfulness is not meant to drive us to despair it is meant to drive us to Christ
1: I was at university, not
0: all that long ago all that, told our Christian
1: really, is to never look at your sin except for your Never look at your sin except for your That's right Because if we begin to realize the enormity of our sin, then that is overwhelming. Unless, unless we are trusted in Jesus, and the sacrifice of the cross take it away from us.
0: But if we see our sin in light of the cross, then we do not need to wallow in guilt, because
1: our sin has been forgiven.
0: If we see our sin in light of the cross, we do not need to punish ourselves, because the punishment has already been taken from us. If we see our sin in light of the cross, we do not need to perform to try to make up for it we know it's time the
1: road. if we see our sin in light of the cross and we know that the has been paid.
0: the substitution has taken place the sacrifice has been made God's rock has been turned
1: away and now we are free
0: Free to serve our Lord without guilt, without shame. Free to glory in our Redeemer who saved us when there was no other way to be saved.
1: Free to live our lives while He of us, and gave Himself for us.
0: Counted as righteous, victim, fully accepted by God.
1: Because we're invited back to the, English, with the, the we this you also.
0: And if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus, then we must
1: all longer give and
0: His Spirit is at work in your life, changing you into the likeness of Christ. And yet, we still struggle against sin. we still got our sinful nature here. We're
1: still failing. I might believe that we are simultaneously sinners. in our struggle let us keep on on us.
0: Let us keep on taking that struggle and being reminded every day of our
1: Let us keep on living with us every day, every moment, for so our pardon, forgiveness, Newton who wrote Amazing Grace he was someone who was a slave in his life in fact he was a captain of the slave ship they fought people from Africa he came back to England as slaves
0: but one day God found him and rescued him God saved him, changed him, transformed him and made him a people of God John Newton died at the age of 82, and these were his dying words.
1: My memory is nearly gone but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner, and that Christ is a great sinner is that we think that God loved us so much. that Jesus died for us. That Jesus died for us so that we can be fully forgiven. God to take our place so that we can be addicted in God's glory and so that righteous in this life. So that on that last day and walk the 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 fly fly the of the so cool, the You the This You, that we Thank you that you have done this the I Thank you that you have done this Thank you for Thank you Thank you that you have Help us, please.